As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of Totally and the two Totally Football League shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will now be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our tactics podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. There are also amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley coming up later in the year, so stay tuned for those. You can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. Toby Football Show, European Edition. Today... Goodbye, Gerd Muller. The Bayern and West Germany legend bows out. Curtain up in La Liga and the Bundesliga. However, Pique Pocket helped Barca sign their new players and Erling smash as Dortmund's Hulk hammers their opponents ahead of Tuesday's clash with Bayern. We'll get the latest from France as Mbappe gets booed, but Messi finally gets some love. And we get hot and bothered about the return of Serie A this weekend. All that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Yeah, hello, listener. Thank you for being with us today. We've got another exciting Euro edition of the Totally Show for you in the company of Raphael Honigstein. Hi, Rafa. Hi, James. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Julien Laurent, as well. Bonjour, James. Bonjour, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, also with us, Alvaro Romeo. Alvaro. Hola, James. How are you? Ever so well, thank you. And also James Horncastle, who you recall last week had to leave us early uh, to speak to Andrea Pirlo. How'd that chat go, James? It was relaxed, James. He was on his sun lounger when we were doing was it. He? Uh, right. Yeah, his where kids were, were playing in the pool behind him. <laughs> where right. was I? I was exactly where I was in the pool. I left the podcast. <laughs> oh, right. I was, this uh, reminds me, I, I once desk. interviewed Missy Elliott while she was having a massage, a back massage. Right. Well, okay. well, half naked she was. Uh, she, yeah, she was wearing a towel. Okay. And not uh, much else. I was going to ask, James, <laughs> if you and Andrea had compared hair tips, but I, I think probably the conversation's moved on from 
pillow at this point. When can we hear anyway the fruits of your labours? It's out today. Uh, so you'll be able to, to read Pillow's views on the Yorkshire Pillow, uh, Calvin Phillips. Oh, yeah? uh, mm. What next for him? What he made of his first year at Juventus as well. Um, mm. And the time he met Poch in Ibiza. Okay. Brilliant. But nothing on Missy Elliott. <laughs> Much like when Rafa <laughs> met her, actually. Anyway, nice. lots to discuss in this show before we get on to that terrific Pirlo interview. Uh, wonderful to have so much football back. First off, though, uh, Sunday was a sad day, too, in football. Uh, Rafa is, is one of the greatest goal scorers ever to grace the game. Uh, said goodbye to us. Good Muller. Yeah, Gabowski spielt out. Bonus. Muller there with a winning goal in the 1974 World Cup final for West Germany against the Netherlands. He was a World Cup winner, a Euro winner, a European Cup winner, Ballon d'Or, a prolific recording artist, so many things. I mean, the numbers are just extraordinary, but Rafa, beyond that, the man? Well, it's tough to talk about the man beyond beyond the football or the striker because Muller was one of those guys who who lived for for scoring and who lived for playing football. Off the pitch, he was very unassuming, a very almost shy uh, person, didn't like the limelight, talked to everyone, never in a million years gave you the sense that he was a superstar or an icon of his of his generation. Always quite happy to let Franz Beckenbauer and others hog the limelight. Um, after I wrote this piece in The Athletic, it occurred to me that I left that line that I, I tend to uh, regard as, as probably the best one written about him by Thomas Hütlin of Der Spiegel, who wrote one of the extraordinary things about Müller was the way he celebrated his goals. He jumps up and sometimes sort of stretches out his chest or kind of makes a little pirouette in the air, but it's almost as if he's celebrating for the goal rather than himself. And the line from Hütlin was that, you know, he celebrated the goal quickly and then he left it to everyone else and the goals belong to us and I think that is such a contrast to modern day strikers who make it all about themselves when they score with Muller was always yes I scored the goal and the goal is there for everyone and he just made a made millions of people happy and in the history of football perhaps just as importantly it's hard to imagine Bayern Munich who were still a second division side when he started playing for them ever being a superstar or super club without him and Franz Beckenbauer repeatedly made the point that without Müller they would still be changing in this little wooden shed that they had for a training ground in the mid 60s um, instead of becoming this yeah one of the leading clubs in, in world football. The, the numbers are, are incredible though 547 goals in 594 games for Bayern a record 365 Bundesliga goals for West Germany, an incredible 68 goals in 62 appearances, 14 of those at the World Cup, which is a record that stood for 32 years until Ronaldo broke it in 2006. He also held the record for the most goals in a calendar year, managing an incredible 85 in 1972. It took 40 years and Lionel Messi to beat that one. And it took, of course, Lewandowski in 50 years to break the 40 goals in a season record that he'd set uh, way back in 71-72. Uh, Rafa, what's your favourite Gerb Muller story? Uh, there's two, really. I mean, the, the, the classic one, the 
the origin story, if you will, is the fact that both Bayern Munich in 1860, who were the bigger club at the time, wanted to sign him. He had uh, attracting attention scoring for his local club, unbelievable number of goals. And they both set out on the same day, almost at the same time, to meet him. But the Bayern Munich people arrived an hour early and convinced him to sign. So just imagine what would have happened if 1860 would have signed them instead. So that that's that's a great story. The other one is, I think it's the one I wrote about, the day he signed his first professional contract with Bayern in June 64. He rushed back to play uh, a game of um, the, the company he was he was working for as an apprentice. He was uh, making an apprenticeship as a as a weaver, and. You know, as you still do today, those those company leagues, they they were taken quite seriously. But Müller, having signed the contract with Bayern, felt he had to play in that game, came back at half-time. The game was tied 1-1. Müller scored three goals to make it 4-1. That was him. That was him. He had an incredible record in more ways than one. little snatch here of the Des Gibt ein Schützenfest. One of the many records he released on an unsuspecting public. Oh, but the, the classic is the Dann macht es Boom. That is the biggest hit. This one. Dann macht es Boom. Ja, und dann How big a figure was he beyond football? For for all that he was a shy guy, how, how big a figure was he in, in kind of German life, Rafa, for you growing up? Well, the sad thing was that when I when I grew up, he was... He was still in America, not having a great time, didn't really uh, find himself so easily after his uh, career had stopped and had some had some real problems with alcohol. And Bayern, in the person of Uli Hoeneß, brought him back, gave him a sense of purpose by making him a youth coach. And you would often see him when you go to the Bayern training ground coaching youngsters. He coached a generation of young players, including Schweinsteiger and, and Thomas Müller, and he'd stop and you could have you could chat with him and you never thought, as I said earlier, you'd never thought that this was one one of the greatest players ever. He was just very, very happy to be in the background. And he he had a purpose in life again and he became healthy again. But I think perhaps some of the long term damage that he did to himself ultimately was one of the reasons why he fell very ill and unfortunately the last few years he's been very, very he had been very, very poorly and not in a position to have a conversation anymore, sadly. Something that uh, may not be known by the British public, let alone, I don't know, the, the French or the Italian, is the fact that uh, Germuller was in advanced talks to join Barcelona back in 1973. That is something that didn't happen at the end because according to Spanish reports, reports from Spain, the German treasury stopped the signing and Barcelona signed uh, Johan Cruyff instead. Uh, well, you know, something very different may have happened in Barcelona history. And uh, the signing of Müller and Cruyff weren't necessarily mutually exclusive for Barcelona. But the truth is that Ger Müller was close to signing. And I've seen screenshots today of uh, Spanish newspapers at the time, in 1973, reporting that the Ger Müller thing was almost done. But they couldn't register him, imagining. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> The reason why ultimately he wasn't allowed to sign, I, I'm not sure it was the German treasury, but certainly there was political pressure on him and pressure by the German FA. At the time, foreign-based players were often not considered eligible by the national team. 
and one year before the World Cup in Germany, it would, it would have been a bit of a scandal if he'd left. And I think that's why ultimately he decided otherwise. And I think he even wrote a letter to the authorities saying his human rights had been infringed, but didn't make any difference. Well, one or two little glimpses of the extraordinarily rich career of Gerd Muller, the legend uh, who concluded his extraordinary life just this Sunday. Next up, we'll move on to this weekend's action in France and Spain and Germany. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum on 25 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Spain, underway. France, underway. Bundesliga, underway. The city are not so much. But hey, <laughs> let's get a quick uh, Moment of the Weekend from you all. And with Paddy Power. James, what have you got? Well, more holidays, clearly, for Serie A. More holidays, <laughs> more dinners. I think I'm going to go back to Paris uh, and make that my uh, point of the week. Um, no, it's going to be the most expensive deal of the summer so far in Italy, no? It's it's Tammy Abraham uh, moving from, from Chelsea to Roma uh, in a deal that's worth, well, a basic 40 million euro, could reach 45, which would... Uh, be a record for Roma, uh, surpassing the amount of money they splurged and wasted on Patrick Schick. Um, so we'll have to see what uh, what comes of Tammy in Rome under Jose Mourinho. Mourinho is certainly very happy uh, after Dzeko uh, left it for Inter. But uh, yeah, moment of the week. Tammy down uh, landing in Ciampino. Ciampino, yeah, very exciting. I think it's 30 goals across the last couple of campaigns uh, for Chelsea. I feel like this is a really good signing. Am I being silly? My initial impression was it's expensive, but of course it is. It's a Chelsea player. It's a striker who scores lots of goals coming from the Premier League. Um, There's this buyback clause in it, which is worth £68 million. But uh, leaving the cost aside, I'm actually quite excited uh, to see Tammy in City. I think it's a good fit. I think he will do well. And... Yeah, Jose will need him to do well because he's got big shoes to fill. I think Dzeko has been the best striker that Roma have had since uh, Gabriel Batistuta, captain of the team um, too. So it will be ultimately down to him and uh, Eldor Shomurodov, uh, the uh, Uzbek signing from Genoa, um, to uh, to carry the goal-scoring burden for, for, for Roma this season. Right, more exotic names like that. Coming up later on when we preview <laughs> City Out, which of course gets underway, this Saturday, Jules, your moment of the weekend, please. I th- we had some some big results. I think maybe the biggest one was the Lyon defeat at Angers oh, yeah. in a game that was just unreal. I mean, Angers have this young striker, half French, half English, called Mohamed Ali Cho, who is fantastic. Seventeen, the chosen one, the, the chosen one. I love it, James. <laughs> but the thing was, Lyon was so bad, and maybe we saw already one of the own goals of the season by Marcelo, who I'm not really sure exactly what he was doing, but L'Equipe, and you know in France we take our ratings very seriously, L'Equipe gave Marcelo 1 out of 10 for his amazing performance at Angers. So I think that will set him for the whole season. So my moment of the week has to be the defeat, heavy defeat by Lyon at Angers. Okay, much more Ligue 1 news on the way. Alvaro? Yes, well, uh, one of my moments of the weekend has to be when Lionel Messi was presented at the Parc de France. I have to say, I was very impressed by that. Probably the first Maradona. He's not Maradonian. yours anymore, Alvaro. He's not yours yeah, anymore. Let, let, go. let, Just let go. go. Just let it go. Just let it go. I, I know, but I'll tell you what. I think that Lionel Messi never had a Maradonian moment in Barcelona. 
uh, of such a adoration by a crowd uh, because they took him as granted a little bit. So I think that, that was very impressive. But the moment of the week in Spain has to be Gerard Piqué, in my opinion, uh, lowering his wages in order for Barcelona to register Memphis, Eric Garcia, and uh, an academy player called Ray Mana. So basically, yes, uh, that was the moment of the week. And probably there are more news like this coming up in Spain because Jordi Alba, Sergio Roberto, and Busquets will probably have to lower down their wages and they are close to do it. Okay, well, we'll be crunching some of those numbers later on. But Rafa, your moment of the weekend. Well, there were many brilliant moments as the Bundesliga came back this weekend, James. But I think probably the biggest one of all was Mainz beating Leipzig and Jesse Marsh 1 0. Yes, mm. a surprising result. I see you not being overly excited, but the backstory is exciting <laughs> because Mainz were hit by. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not 11 players being out after some positive COVID tests, plus one more suspension. So Bo Svensson literally had 11 players available, outfield players, and played them all. And they beat Leipzig, who were heavily, heavily favoured. Extraordinary stuff. Extraordinary. All right. Well, uh, given that, let's kick off our roundup with the Bundesliga. So uh, Jesse Marsh at Leipzig. One of a whole coterie of new coaches uh, patrolling the sidelines of the Bundesliga. Uh, one of the most high-profile, Marco Rosa, got off to a very winning start at Dortmund. Julian Nagelsmann at Bayern didn't. Those two teams, by the way, Dortmund and Bayern, will be meeting Tuesday in the Super Cup. But Dortmund, tell us about, Rafa, their 5-2 victory over Frankfurt. I mean, they were, they were fantastic. It was a beautiful, beautiful occasion because this was the first time since March that anything even approximating a capacity crowd had been in the Signale Duna Park. 25,000. Uh, that's still only uh, a third or so, but they made some real noise and you could see that some of the players were hugely inspired by having this crowd back. One of them was Jude Bellingham, who'd never played in front of any fans at Dortmund before um, of that magnitude in any case. I think maybe there were a couple of thousands in October. Erling Haaland in particular was unplayable, clearly energised by the atmosphere, scored two goals, made three goals, and every week, uh, German writers, including this one, struggle to find new metaphors or new uh, analogies. Um, the latest I read this week in Kicker was that he was like the Incredible Hulk. There was also uh, in Süddeutsch a reference to him being a one-man avalanche and a cross between Asterix and Obelix. <laughs> Nice. Uh, somebody nice. who'd, uh, <laughs> who'd nice. drunk in, um, you know, the magic potion. Yep. Uh, as a baby fallen into the cauldron yeah yeah mm. and players players bounce off him like the romans and it really had the one or two moments where he just started running with the ball 40 or 50 meters out and people just thought wow something exciting is about to happen i mean i i don't recall many number nines who love running with the ball from such deep position and you know something will happen um, the closest I can really think of, and this is a comparison that has been made by uh, Christoph Biermann before, is actually Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Um, they don't look very much alike, 
but the playing and the the playing style has has some similarities and yeah he was just he was just wonderful and for Marco Rosa to have such a great start um was really important i think because there were some doubts about him coming in after that uh, rather underwhelming season with Borussia Mönchengladbach but you got the sense that this is a club that is really happy with itself at the moment which strikes a sharp contrast to their opponents on Tuesday night Bayern right uh, is is Holland going to be staying for the season now yeah this there's no there's no doubt he'll be staying um Dortmund decided that they won't sell no one's even attempted to make any offer any serious offer in recognition of their position I mean I can't rule out anyone still asking the questions in the next couple of weeks but it'd be very Paris. difficult for Dortmund after yeah after everything they've done and said to now change their mind and let him leave after having sold Sancho already so I think we're okay we're safe as far as the Bundesliga is concerned to have him for at least one more year yeah, he certainly should be there for Tuesday and the clash with Bayern, who only managed a 1-1 draw away at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, two new managers here as well. Gladbach with Adi Hutter these days and Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, w- what happened here? Player opening the scoring Lewandowski just for a change with the equaliser for the Bavarians. But beyond that, Rafa? Well, Bayern played OK going forward, especially in the first half. They created lots of chances, but they were a little bit unorganized and and open at the back. Alfonso uh, Davis had a great game going forward but made some bad mistakes at the back and Diopo Meccano looked a little bit shaky. You could see that this is a back four that hadn't played together. You can see that Diopo Meccano could benefit from some guidance and leadership next to him. Niklas Sule is himself somebody who's only just come back from injury. So one or two issues there for Bayern and they got very lucky with the refereeing decisions as well because there were two fouls or possible fouls from Upamecano on uh, Marcus Turam in the box. Uh, both times Turam was basically clear on goal or almost with a with an opportunity to for a tap-in as far as the first one is concerned. He was pulled back. Um, twice the referee thought that it wasn't quite enough and VAR didn't want to overrule him. Remarkable for two reasons. One, because a lot of people came out and said, well, this is the typical Bayern bonus uh, at work here. Other teams concede a penalty there. And it's not impossible to um, to sympathise with that, with that uh, line of thinking uh, in light of what happened in the past. But perhaps more encouragingly, also a sense that the Bundesliga referees have taken a note out of their colleagues from Euro 2021 at Euro 2020 as it was officially known and maybe find a more lenient approach going forward looking much closer in whether a foul is really a foul whether a contact really takes down the player etc if mm. that is true then ultimately I think we'll, we'll all benefit but of course that's not much consolation for Gladbach who really could have won this game all right if and that refereeing shift is perhaps something we've seen in other countries as well. But if Bayern were to lose the Super Cup on Tuesday, how much pressure would that mean for Nagelsmann? How seriously will it be taken? The pressure wouldn't be on him because I think there is a recognition that the squad is the problem. There is not enough depth in certain positions. Uh, the Bayern hierarchy keeps saying, we have an excellent squad. We don't need anyone else. But they're also saying we'll be watching and monitoring the transfer window. Let's see if we can make any additions. And I think that, you know, that, that kind of shows you that they're not 100% sure either. 
and they would love to pick up at least one more central midfielder. But they want to sell first, and one of the players they want to sell is Coco Tolisso. Um, but it's difficult to find find any takers for him. So uh, watch the space. But no, Nagelsmann himself will not be under pressure. It'll be, I think, Hassan Salihamish is the sporting director who would come under pressure if the squad is, is not deemed quite good enough. All right, well, we'll find out Tuesday night. Quick mention for Stefan Jovetic, who scored five minutes into his Hertha Berlin debut. They did go on to lose 3-1 at Klun. Jovetic, though, becoming the what? first player since... What are they Klun? called? Klun. Klun. No. no. Klun. 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 No, no, no. Klun Wars. It's Eva, no, no, no. Eva Cologne, if you want to yes. say the name of the town in English. Yep. If it's the club, yes. it's yes. Köln. Köln. All right, anyway, he scored, they lost, but he became the first player since Christian Poulsen a decade ago to do what? Score in all five leagues? Yeah, play in all of Europe's top five leagues. What a talent Jovetic was. Such a shame about his knee injuries. I always liked him. Monaco, he was brilliant when he was playing, just the the Mm. injuries. Fiorentina hair. The, the perm, the wigs that they used to sell yeah. outside the ground when you went, you know, it's amazing against Liverpool in what that Prandelli team that that uh, that played in the Champions League. What a talent. What a talent. Well, anyway, best of luck to him at Hurta. Now, La Liga is also back. Let's hear what happened in La Primera Jornada next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. All right, Alvaro, it's Spain time. Hey, good start for Barcelona to life post-Messi. 4-2 against Real Sociedad. El Mundo Deportivo with the headline, ICC Barca. <laughs> hmm. Very good question, actually. Last season started a little bit like this after a, a summer in which Bayern inflicted an 8-2 to Barcelona in the Champions League. Then they went on beating Villarreal, I believe that uh, easily, in the first uh, game of the season. And to be honest, I think that Barcelona was the most impressive team so far from La Liga in terms of um, how good they can play when they are all aligned and uh, when the symphony works, you know. I think that uh, the good thing about Barcelona now is that many players will have to step up because there is no the Lionel Messi alibi anymore. 
Uh, in the past, if Barcelona won, it was thanks to Messi. If Barcelona lost, it was just the team had structural problems and blah, blah, blah. But basically, as I said last week, um, the players and probably the fans as well had gotten used to watching Barcelona by looking at what Messi could do. Uh, nowadays that doesn't happen. Uh, new players have stepped up. Uh, Memphis, who was really good, he was having like some sort of a Ronaldinho-esque uh, performance against Real Sociedad in the sense that he brought the magic at Camp Nou and uh, he's a very good player. I think that Memphis knows that this is a key season in his career because he's been at Manchester United, he was very good at Lyon, but uh, maybe he has never been a top player for a top club for a long period. And I think that here this uh, season presents an opportunity for the man. So he was very good. Eric Garcia at the back uh, also showed that he can play the ball from the back, which is very important for Barcelona because last season Mingueza couldn't do that. And generally speaking, it was a good performance. And Martin Braithwaite was probably the one that uh, uh, caught the eye of more people, or at least in terms of, of assists, he was the, the guy who, who did it better uh, with a couple of goals and two assists. Well, as you mentioned before, Alvaro, Barcelona must have been delighted to even get Depay and Garcia on the pitch. They were only able to be registered because Gerard Piquet took a pay cut. How exactly did that work? What was he on for him to be able to take a pay cut and finance the signing of two other players? And also, a little coda question on that, what's happened about Aguero? Who's taken a pay cut for him or has he not been registered yet? Well, the, the pay cuts are common. Uh, the four captains of Barcelona are Piquet, Busquets, Sergio Roberto and Jordi Alba. Those uh, guys have taken or will take a pay cut in order to help the team register the new players. Uh, Jordi Alba admitted after the game on Sunday that uh, the club hadn't contacted him uh, for a pay cut um, until the beginning of August, uh, the end of July, uh, which tells you that the club probably thought that they could offload some big wages, like Coutinho, maybe Umtiti. That didn't happen, and then Joel Laporta had to come up with this scheme of, uh, you know, cutting the wages of uh, important players. So, yeah, as I said before, this is going to happen soon, and thanks to this, uh, Aguero will be registered as well. It's extraordinary. Have they compensated them with extended deals at the other end, or has there been some sort of agreement over that, or are they genuinely taking a massive hit to their own pockets to to to, to allow the club to kind of continue at this level? Uh, I believe that this is going to be addressed individually, one by one. Uh, Gerard Pique, I was uh, lo- uh, watching his video on Twitch yesterday because now he he you know he's got his own channel and it's pretty interesting mm. what he says because you know. Uh, uh, is a way he has of enriching the fans and he was saying that he had a massive pay cut that he's play, playing pretty much for nothing this season um, but yeah, uh, it is very likely that uh, their payments will be the third and will be paid uh, in the course of four or five years so yeah, I mean, Barcelona has to find the formula it's still not confirmed what Sergi Roberto, Alba and Busquets will do or how they will do it with the club but this is happening because otherwise Barcelona cannot uh, exist. And John Laporta spoke on Monday and he said that uh, the club last season had almost half a billion losses, last season alone, which tells you that the club had this policy of uh, living day by day, a little bit like Rambo, says uh, at the end of Rambo 1. And uh, then the, the overall debt of Barcelona is 1.3 billion. So if they don't do something like this and if the captains don't uh, lower their salaries, this is right. not sustainable in the future. Okay, well, they certainly drew first blood, eh? 
Alvaro at the weekend against Real Sociedad. All the top sides winning, Atleti, Real Madrid, Sevilla as well. Real Madrid 4-1 against Alaves in Carlo Ancelotti's first game back. He started with uh, Eden Hazard and Gareth Bale on either side of Benzema. That's a pretty saucy front three. It is. Uh, let's see if those players can offer um, some cons- consistency as well. We know that if Gareth Bale plays, normally he, he can score goals on... He, he, he still has a level of dangerosity. He, he hasn't lost that. Uh, that's uh, very true. But the question is whether he will be ready uh, to be fit and motivated for a full season. I mean, this is something that costed him at the sports last season as well. When it comes to Eden Hazard, I think that there were some really positive signs last summer during the Euro. I think that he played the not full games. Um, he wasn't convincing for full 90 minutes, but he definitely showed that he was heading towards his full recovery. And all that together with Karim Benzema, who is a striker who can amalgamate uh, everyone uh, up front and uh, make sure that everyone passes the ball and uh, uh, has a link up game with him. I think that was kind of promising. Uh, And also, I believe that Real Madrid uh, uh, has still decent uh, centre-back pair despite uh, Sergio Ramos and uh, Rafa Varane having left because uh, Militao and especially Nacho, they are convincing centre-backs I think that they were very reliable from March onwards last season. And David Alaba is a great addition as well. He played as a left-back, but he can be considered, of course, as a, as a centre-back. And yeah, all that, I think that will give Real Madrid some certain solidity. I think that the, the main problem at Real Madrid is the midfield. I still believe that because Tony Cross, Luka Modric and Casemiro, you expect them to play every important game. And they are all... Uh, Either too experienced or too old, like uh, the case of Luka Modric, Tony Cross definitely needs to rest more during the season. And Casemiro, he's been used pretty much non-stop for six years. So I think that Real Madrid lacks in that department, in the midfield department. And it doesn't help that Martin Odegaard and Dani Ceballos, they haven't been registered yet, which is something mm. that uh, is quite meaningful. I think that Real Madrid is looking for more money. And uh, Ceballos is injured at the minute. Maybe that's why he wasn't registered. But with Odegaard, they are expecting to cash some money. Okay, possibly from Arsenal. A couple of weeks left in the transfer window. Ooh, what was this I saw on the front page of Marca on Monday morning? Final stretch for Mbappé. Hmm? Look, I think Real Madrid hasn't, uh, hasn't relinquished that dream of getting Kylian Mbappé this season. Okay, Jules uh, may uh, set more information here. But uh, all those journalists that they are very well connected to Florentino, mm, and we all know who they are, uh, they are saying that Real Madrid is not discarding yet a final attempt for Mbappe now. But uh, for mm. that, Real Madrid needs to get some more money. The truth is that Florentino Perez has a sense of uh, a spectacle and a sense of show, sorry. And he knows that uh, if the new Real Madrid ground, Santiago Bernabeu, uh, after the reformation, is unveiled at the beginning of September with a new player like Kylian Mbappé. That is, I think, that uh, quite a wink to the rest of the world. Like, uh, we're back, we're here. So I think that that dream is not over yet, but it's going to be quite difficult. And I think that Jules can es- expand on this. Yeah, there's a few rumours I saw, I'm quite more than a few, a lot of them. When they start with El Chiringuito, I'm always a bit sceptical. And certainly when it's not what we get in France... Uh, no offense to El Chiringuito, but um, but the the stance for the club is still he's not even if there's an offer from whoever makes the offer he's not going to go anywhere, uh, and we haven't heard from the people around him yet. The he wants to leave now, he's ready to go. He doesn't want to play with Messi. He doesn't want to play with Neymar anymore. 
and he wants to go to Real Madrid now because, as we all know, he will be a free agent in a year time, and then it'd be far easier for him than then to to leave and go to to Real Madrid, probably even to get a bigger contract at Real Madrid than if he does it now. So I, I I'm really skeptical about this one. It, it may well happen, but again, I think I think PSG, regardless of how much the offer is, won't let him go. All right. Well, also. In La Liga this weekend, Sevilla 3-0 winners of Rayo Vallecano and Atletico Madrid, the champions, 2-1. Uh, their victory at Salta Vigo, a brace from Angel Correa there. Iago Aspas with a pretty huge miss just when Celta looked like they were about to equalise there uh, in the uh, closing stages. Alvar, anything else we should know from the uh, Primera Jornada? Uh, very quickly. Uh... I think that uh, Luca Zidane didn't cover himself in glory uh, in his first game in the top flight uh, with Rayo Vallecano. He's a goalkeeper and he made a mm. mistake that led to a penalty for Sevilla to score the first goal. Eric Lamela scored the goal for Sevilla as well, so good news for the Argentinian. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I really want to see what Villarreal can offer. Uh, they are still left to play uh, after you know taking Chelsea to the penalty shootout. Yeah, extraordinary stuff uh, last Wednesday in Belfast. Okay, in the European Super Cup. Uh, also this weekend, the Eredivisie season kicked off this weekend. Ajax of the champions, they won 5-0 against Neck. We're well, not the same as Nack Breda. We've discovered after much research. Eric Ten Hag's side were 5-0 up uh, after 39 minutes, I think it was, and they kind of took the foot off the gases, as you do in those circumstances. Opening weekend in Turkey as well in the Super League. Uh, there's three games of that still to be played as we record, but Meza Urzel got his first goal since February 2020 in Fenerbahce's 1-0 winner, Adana Demispor. Yeah, Mario Balotelli's Adana Demispor with Asombalonga as well, Belhanda, Gokhan Inla, Benjamin Stambouli. I mean, this seems like peak Turkish Super League, this team. <laughs> so that's a huge win for Fenerbahce against pretty much the all-star. It's a bit like, you know, in some great sports, they have a rest-of-the-world team for players who haven't qualified with their yeah. own nations. This is a bit like the Super League's got a got an unsigned 11 or something. Grand. Yeah, particularly after they, they held Besiktas in a, in a friendly, uh, their, their last warm-up game. So, I mean... That really shows you what this team is all about. You're all over Adana Demispor this year, James. I'm sure clearly, we're all yeah. going to be following them. You were the <laughs> one sending all those players there, clearly, with your Turkish contacts. All righty. In Portugal, they are two weeks into their season with Liga Nash and Sporting Benfica and Porto have all won both of their games so far. That's nice. Next weekend, something big is coming. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the question sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold acre lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, minards one to five on each leg. Online exclusive, exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begumbleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. That's right, City is back with a new broadcast deal on British TV. Young James Horncastle there and myself will be bringing you Serie A every Sunday night. Crikey, if you so desire. Uh, we're going to begin this, well, Saturday, uh, but anyway, uh, with <laughs> Genoa Inter, but it's a Sunday night thing. 
We'll round up the action, show you some live uh, culture, and then, you know. Ice cream. I don't know if there'll be ice cream. I don't know what the studio regulations permit on the ice cream front, but I'm hoping so. I mean, there'll be Thai food at half time, I imagine, which is what we usually oh, do. Oh, that's bad. Maybe we'll go for a little bit of the old spaghetti. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but certainly the action looks like being really, really tasty, James. Uh, we just had a bit of a roller coaster of a season last time out. This time, all sorts of fancy new ingredients being added in. What are you most looking forward to seeing? <laughs> well, Jose Mourinho uh, at Roma. I want to see if it can still work uh, because I feel that in the Premier League, uh, his time is done, and there's a feeling that he is bolito, as they say in Italy. He's, he's done, he's cooked, he's finished. Mm. Um, Stick a fork but in him. certainly, reputation, <laughs> reputation in Italy still endured because what he did with Inter remains unsurpassed. No one has won the treble, mm. no one has won the Champions League in Italy since uh, Jose. So that's one of the reasons why you saw the hundreds of. I was going to say hundreds of thousands of people outside of the airport waiting for him. Um, but it was like he's the star signing. Um, no disrespect to Tammy Abraham. Lots of great coaches coming back, James. I know that yeah. Conte is gone, but we've got Allegri back at Juventus, Maurizio Sarri at Lazio. And I think that contrast is going to be really interesting because if Lazio start playing Sarri ball and look really good, what's that going to make Roma and Mourinho look like? I think that's going to be quite hard. Uh, for Romanisti to live with if that comes to pass. And I think we've got seven very competitive teams, you know, much as the Premier League thinks that there's maybe six or there was six. Now it seems to have downsized to four. Um, I think in Italy, it's very hard to predict who'll be in the Champions League top four. And then, you know, as with every passing year these days with Atalanta, there's that hope that they can be Italy's Leicester. Um, and certainly they've made some good signings uh, in the transfer window so far. So, so yeah, um, it's the general competitiveness that I'm kind of excited by, James. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned managers coming about. Uh, Luciano Spalletti now at, at Napoli, who could be yes. could certainly figure in the mix, even possibly uh, for the, 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 the title. Inter, who were 12 points clear of the pack at the end of the last campaign, but have seen so many big names leave since then. Juve have welcomed back Max Allegri and have that phenomenal forward line of Ronaldo and Morata and uh, Federico Chiesa with Dybala as well, uh, uh, very much back in the mix under Allegri. So many exciting uh, elements. Uh, Jules, what are you most looking forward to seeing in this Serie A season? I want to see what Milan can do. I'm, I'm really mm. happy for Olivier Giroud, who's very happy there, by the way. Uh, and he's been scoring in, in pre-season, which is always good for his confidence. I, I want to see, after coming so close in a way, or certainly leading the way for so long last season, what season they can do, you know, and... And I think I agree with James. I think it'd be a very open, competitive season where you could have a, a real title race with with a few clubs in there. You would expect Allegri and Juventus to to be part of it, of course. Uh, and and yeah, Jose with with Roma, Inter with Inzaghi. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I'm glad. I'm glad you two would be the the face of it as well. Oh, I'm looking thanks, forward to George. watching you. On Sunday. Right, even though there's or Saturday on at the same or Friday. Time. I'm I'm very really lost which day it is because it's a Sunday <laughs> thing, but it's on Saturday. But no, it's yeah, gonna be Saturday the first one, and then because we can't wait, oh, okay, and then okay. uh, Sunday's the regular slot. <laughs> We're up against a Ligue 1's Sunday night game, which is going to be exactly uh, messy. In- interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, super. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm very excited about Italian football this season. Uh, and I think that uh, Jose Mourinho signing is even countercultural in Italy right now because I will say that Italian success in the Euro came from the small, modest clubs and, uh, you know, the, the small managers as well, or the managers who weren't that, uh, didn't have such a, such a reputation. But back in 20, 2010, there was this club Pescara with Theman and uh, Immobile, Insigne, Verratti. And, uh, you know, I think that the Italian football revolution comes from the small teams and that they have played in a certain nice, attractive way. And suddenly signing Jose Mourinho is like, uh, you know, classes of a style in there. But regarding Inter, I don't know if Edin Checo is going to be the right signing there because Romelu Lukaku makes you play in a certain way and helps you play in a certain way. And Edin Checo obliges you to, <laughs> to put the ball in the box a lot. And Inter didn't need to do that last season. So I don't know if Edin Checo is the right signing if Romelu Lukaku leaves. It's a, it's a different manager, so they would have changed the way they play, I guess, right? I think one of the reasons why Inzaghi works is that um, he played more or less the same system uh, at Lazio. Um, okay, they will have a slightly different interpretation, they'll have his own nuances, but um, it's, a, it's a good fit um, from that point of view. I, I think Dzeko is quite Harry Kane-like. In He likes to come short, he likes to link the play. Uh, almost too much. If you're a Roma fan, you want him to be in the box more because, yeah, stop linking the play, start scoring some more goals. Yeah, we've been quite down on Inter in, in recent podcasts because of the financial situation. It's a surprise that they haven't sold another player between between podcasts. That's the kind of uh, feeling about the situation, really. But I think, generally speaking, they still have got a very good um, squad. Still the, the team with the best defence in the league. Great midfield. I mean, we saw Barella play at the Euros. Barella building on what he'd done last year in that uh, championship winning campaign. Brozovic as well, um, who's going around training ground at the moment with a BB gun trying to um, shoot as many of his teammates as possible. Um, shows that spirits are kind of quite high um, at the moment. <laughs> and yeah, I suppose that the one missing midfield is is Ericsson, um, who they're, they're going to be wait, waiting for as he recovers from the cardiac arrest he suffered. They've signed Chalinolu. I think they'll sign another couple of players. One of the revelations of the Euros was Denzel Dumfries uh, playing for the Netherlands. They've signed him to replace Hakimi. I don't think he's as good as Hakimi, but he's a good player. So mm. I think Inter will be fine. And um, I must say, I know it's only pre-season, but go and watch the opening goal that they scored against Dynamo Kiev at the weekend. Tacco di Barella, screener centrale, tacco di Dzeko, Sensi, tacco per Barella! Azione fantastica dell'Inter! Tacco, tacco e sinistro all'angolo di Nicolo Barella, 1-0. Three different players with back heels in the build-up. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really encouraging thing to see ahead of that first game that will be um, looking after for BT James on Saturday against Genoa. Absolutely. That's a kick-off at 5.30. We'll be on the air from 5 o'clock. Other stand-up fixtures include... Roma against Fiorentina Sunday evening and Sampdoria against Milan on the Monday. Three new sides in Serie A this year. They are Empoli, Salernitana and, yes, Venezia. Very exciting. All right, next up, let's get the latest on League. Mm. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Écoutez le parc, le nouveau numéro 30 du Paris Saint-Germain, Léo! Leo Messi introduced the fans before this weekend's PSG game against Strasbourg. How did that one go, Jules? That went well. Both the presentation, Jimbo, he didn't stay long on the on the stage. He was the last one, obviously, to uh, to be unveiled, and the other signings were, were before him. And then the game in itself, they were they were three 0 up after after 30 minutes. It was interesting to see Kylian Mbappé or to hear Kylian Mbappé's name being booed by the Parc des Princes when the, uh, the speaker was announcing the team. And then 20 minutes in, after he scored one and set up one, they obviously started chanting his name. So, you know, that's... Why, that's why were they booing thing. him? Why, why were they booing him? It's not really clear. I think it's because he still hasn't uh, extended his deal uh, and the contract situation, I think. Some of the ultras wanted to make a point uh, against him. And... And again, the fact that they chanted his name not long after when he was being really good because he was outstanding in that game for most of it shows you how, um, I don't know, versatile the, the crowd can Spoil. be. Spoil? Don't, I don't think really... The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiled as well. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think... I'm, I'm not really sure why you would boo him because he's got his reasons why he doesn't he hasn't signed yet that extension. And again, it doesn't mean that he's not going to sign it at some point. But... Yes, they wanted to make a point and then and then very quickly went back on it, to be fair. So it went really well. They won 4-2. They had a little scare in the second half. But Pochino was really happy. Messi and all the others who didn't play, Marquinhos, Verratti, Neymar, Di Maria, Paredes in the stands, seems to enjoy themselves. They, they will have bigger games and, and better games, of course. But it's a good start. Only three teams have won the two opening games. PSG, right. as you expect, is one of them. And the other two are far more surprising, though, in Angers and, and the, the promoted side, Clermont. Clermont foot, 2-0 at home to Troyes. Uh, Angers, who beat Lyon, 3-0. Uh, then you manager Peter Bosch, not off to a good start. At all, when do you think Messi will actually debut on field for Paris Saint-Germain? It could be against Brest this weekend away, but I don't think they will take that risk. So it's most likely to be the following weekend, at the end of August, against Reims away as well, uh, just before the international break, where he will go back to to Argentina for the World Cup qualifiers. So I think that's where it's most likely he will start, and then, or certainly he will play, and then his first home game will be on the after returning from the international break on uh, September the 12th at the Parc okay. France this time. And, and Ramos probably won't be playing until September. Right. Yeah, that's right. After the international break, Ramos, who has had a little injury since pretty much since he arrived or started training, will be fit. And I think everybody else, you would expect end of the month for all the the players that went far in the Copa America or in the Euros, in the likes of Neymar, Marquinhos, Verratti, Donnarumma. It'd be interesting to see who plays in goal because Navas has done really well, but then Donnarumma is not ready. But at some point, Donnarumma will be ready. So it'd be good to see who um, who starts. 
Crikey. Uh, Messi aside, perhaps the, the biggest story this weekend in France was Christophe Gauthier uh, taking on the team that he took to the title in Ligue 1 last year. Lille, uh, with his new club, Nice, and coming home with a whopping 4-0 victory as the kind of Lille meltdown continues. It's their heaviest home defeat in Ligue 1 since 2017. They've conceded now seven goals, Lille, in their opening two matches. Crikey, Jules. Yeah, they were very lucky to get even a draw in, in the first game. They should have lost that against Mess and Burak Yilmaz scored a 97-minute goal to, to, to finish 3-3. And then on, on Saturday, they were just terrible. I mean, it's not doesn't help when you to go down after after five minutes because they had a horrific start of the of the game, but but still it's um, it's bad. I think Gouvenet has a lot of things to to sort out, and for Galtier it was really sweet revenge because he left. There's been a bit of um, of an altercation via media between the Lille president Olivier Letton and Galtier, and Letton almost accusing Galtier to have left in a really bad way, not not warning the club that he was leaving, that he was going to Nice, which is not really the truth. So Galtier, I think, wanted to make a point, and that's a really good point. He's got a really good young team there, and they they played with a really like, a lot of swag in that game against Lille, which I liked a lot, and Guiri was fantastic. Kasper Dolberg scored too. It was it was really good. I think Nice, nice are onto something very interesting now with Galtier. Jules, uh, we've spoken about Lille before. I mean, we've just been talking about Inter financial problems. There was expected that they're going to have to sell a lot of players. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it looks like they've actually retained quite a lot of them now. I mean, Botman's still there. Um, mm. Obviously, they're not going to get a lot of money for, for Yilmaz because he's so old, but it seems to be more or less the same title-winning team now. Yeah, you're right. They let Sumari go to, to Leicester because 30 million was a really good offer for him. He cost them nothing when he came from, from Paris. And I think the others, it's only a question, James, of the offers are not good enough, or certainly not in the, the price tag that the club uh, wanted or wish or need almost for to balance their book with, with financial fair play and the, the French financial fair play. So it's it's been, a, I think, a more challenging summer than, than they expected. They really thought it would be like a bit like the one last year where things went pretty quickly with those men, for example, or pre- pretty easy for them. You know, they get the big offers that they need, they sell, it's, it's pretty, they already have the replacement lined up and the replacement comes. It's, it's been pretty straightforward. This summer, you're right, it's a bit harder. And the fact that they don't start well, it's not good either. Then the Champions League will arrive very quickly. I'm not sure right now they've got enough, enough depth in the squad to play the league and the Champions League and, and do well. Renato Sanchez needs a surgery now. And also that's someone that they were hoping to sell, not if he's injured. So there's more problems than they look when they beat PSG, for example, in the community, the French community shield only two weeks ago. Hmm. Okay. Well, Nice, in the meantime, fresh from that 4-0 win at Lille. Next weekend, have a huge game as they take on Marseille in a heated uh, Provençal derby. Marseille themselves had another feisty affair, this time against Bordeaux. A 2-2 it finished. Curiously, all five of Marseille's goals this season have been scored by either Dimitri Payet, with his sexy new hairdo, or Chinges Under. That's right. And and this time they were 2-0 up and not really controlling the game. But yeah, they, they managed to score often when they don't control the game. And then when they have to control the game to keep a score, they don't do it. And Bordeaux came back. And you have to feel for Luan Perez, the, the new Brazilian centre-back, who scored a long goal last week. Almost scored a long goal. It's, it's, it's half his goal, the first Bordeaux one, because he deflects the shot, the shot from Pembele. And then went home at 1am to find that he's flat 
has been burglared and they took all the trainers, all the nice trainers, all the nice shoes and he had a lot. Plus, obviously, all the Louis Vuitton bags and he had a lot as well. And all the cash and he had a lot there too. So not a good day again for Luan Perez. You have to feel for him a bit. That, that is, that's very uh, sad news indeed. Uh, Jules, I uh, also want to ask you about Kamavinga, who Man United sources continue to link to a move to Old Trafford. Is that still a thing, do you think? Yeah, I think he's still. I think there's a few clubs still looking because he's on the bench. He's not really happy. Um, Jonathan Barnett, his agent, is not really happy either. I think he's he's happy to stay and live on a free, and we'll have a lot of options next summer if he's on a free. If he's a free agent, for Rennes, they said they don't mind if he stays. I think they would rather cash in now instead of losing him on a free. It's funny because it's also the, the weekend where he lost the record of the youngest ever Rennes player because they've got a new kid in town called Matisse Tell who is a really, really good young striker or attacking midfielder who came from the, the Clairefontaine Academy who's really good, who uh, is only 16 and, and two months and beating Kamamiga's record for youngest debut at 16 and three months from last season. And yeah, he hasn't been a good, a good start of the season at all for Kamavinga. Okay. Well, uh, more on that kind of transfer thing as the uh, window continues in next week's Totally Football Show European Edition. Of course, we're back on Thursday with a bit of a preview of the weekend in general. So perhaps you'll join us for that, listener. In the meantime, many thanks to Raphael Honigstein and Julien Laurent and James Horncastle and Alvaro Romeo and, of course, producer Charlie and you, listener, for being with us. We'll catch you soon for now. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Hi, I'm Matt Davis-Adams, host of The Totally Football League Show. This season, we're coming at you twice a week. Woof. We're the place to be for the Football League, aren't we, Yammo? Some people think I'm a mouthy git. That's the Crawley Town boss. He's a hero. From Lee Bowyer to Gary Bowyer, we're your one-stop marker shop for everything Football League. How often will it be, Sam? Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Close. It's every Monday and Thursday. That's the Totally Football League show. Out now. The Athletic.